Welcome to Any Honey and the Newt. So in this season, we're talking about love and relationships, and we've talked about it from the aspect of players loving basketball and fans loving basketball and players having relationships with their teammates and with organizations. And then we're kind of going out and reaching out to the experts and talking about love and relationships in the more everyday kind of aspect. And so for today's episode, we have a special guest, uh, Casey in the bat, at the bat here is, is here to interview. This is my brother, Kevin. Uh, glad to have you here, Kevin. Uh, thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for being here. (laughs) So uh, we've been uh, kind of stretching our legs with a a real easy question. So we'll just start you out with the same softball here. What is love? Uh, (laughs) How many people have said, baby, don't hurt me? (laughs) Only me. Only me has said that. (laughs) Really? Yeah. You you need a better class of uh, interviewees. No, it's, uh, what is love? Um, that is certainly a very difficult question to answer. Um, I, clearly, it's going to be different for everybody. So for me, love is, um, is a commitment to uh, doing whatever you can to advance the life of somebody that is special to you, uh, that has special connection to you, that uh it it improves your life for their life to be improved mm-hmm. um and so uh you know it, it is it is a benefit to you to, to benefit them that's interesting do you think that it can ever be the case that uh you could express love or or um you know the way that you're you're explaining love it's not really an emotional component it's more of a relationship and activity is it possible to have that kind of active relationship and not have it benefit you uh well i i think the reason that i say it that way um you know the 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 benefiting you it's not that it provides something for you does something for you. it it is just inherent that y- you feel better knowing that somebody else's life is is better or or that that you've done something for them so you know when i say a benefit to you i don't i don't mean that it's you know an exchange of some sort exactly um so you know i think you certainly can love somebody um and, and do things for them and, and be happy for them in their life, even if really they don't care about you at all. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is possible for it to be entirely uh, a, a one-way relationship, but is still it does still feed back to you um, just because of how you feel about them or, or the relationship that you have with them or, or your thoughts about them. Thank you for clarifying. So, so would it be fair to say you find value and meaning in the relationship, whether or not it provides like benefits in the, in the traditional sense? Um, yes, yes, I, I think so. Um, you know, it may not always feel like it, um, 
but it's, you know, that for me, feelings, um, and, and I'm sure this will come up through a lot through this interview, uh, feelings are temporary. They're, they're passing. Um, love is not. And so I don't associate the word feeling with love. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not tied together. Um, and so, uh, it may not feel always that great to, to have that relationship. You may not feel that benefit, but upon reflection, you know, even if you haven't enjoyed doing something, it hasn't brought you immediate reward. You think back, you're like, I'm glad I did that. You know, I'm, I'm glad I could help out in some way, um, or, or something to that effect, you know, you, later down the road, you may have uh, a different feeling or, or different feedback from, um, what you experienced in the moment. One thing that your, uh, kind of characterization of love opens up to nicely, I think from a, you know, philosophical point of view is you can apply that concept of love in a lot of different kinds of relationships, right? We, sometimes start off these conversations and it's very heavily focused on like a romantic partner. And then we try to shift gears and differentiate that from loving a family member or a close friend or a child, you know, uh, but, but you actually could apply your concept of love in all these relationships without having to change that very much. So that being said, how would you differentiate those relationships or, or would you? Uh, when it comes to the, the, I will say feeling of love, <laughs> the, the, uh, the experience of love for all the different types of relationships. Um, I don't know that the, the core is different for me. It, it is the same um, across all of them. What goes along with the, you know, how you relate to the person, of course, is going to be different. Um, but uh, that that sense of love um, at the root of it is, is the same for, for all of them in, in my view. I, I kind of want to follow up on that because as, uh, as you were talking, you got me thinking about, um, you mentioned the word relating, right? How you relate to each person is different. And I wonder how that sense of relating changes over time, right? Like you and Corbin grew up together. Um, you saw your parents, at least as a child, as an authority figure, right? And so maybe as you got older, like, could you talk about how your relationships might have morphed, especially the, that relating aspect of it? I know that's defining a word with the definition, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think your relationship with everyone is going to change based on um, two uh, key things, um, which really is your definition of self, how you see yourself um, and, and what your experiences have brought to you and uh, who and where you think you are in life. And then the other thing is that person's sense of self and who they think they are and where they are in their life and, and where you fit in their life. Um, and it's, it's a constant negotiation um, of 
you expressing yourself and if, if something about you changes, which is always changing, but um, communicating that change and, and either, either through words, but more often through actions and um, you know, also shared exper experiences with them, um, you are telling them who you are and they, through their actions and words and, and experiences, will tell you who they are. And as those shift, your relationship is going to shift over time as well. So to go to your uh, example about parents, um, you know, growing up and seeing them as authority figures, uh, I do still see them as authority figures. Um, but of course, I now see myself as an authority figure in my own life. And at this point, a greater authority in my own life than they are. Um, and, and that, you know, there are times I think every child experiences with their parents, probably throughout their, their lives with their parents, um, where, you know, the parents still maybe have that sense of, well, this is still my child. This is, this is the, the young person that I was, that I've been raising. And there's that whole struggle of, well, but I'm an adult now. Um, so, you know, treat me like another adult. And I'm like, eh, you're still our kid. So, um, you know, there, that's where a lot of those struggles come in is, is as, as the growing person, you know, the, the child growing into an adult as they change and, and they try to become who they are, there will be a constant butting up against the parent's view of who the child is. I mean, how many times have you heard, especially mothers, but like really any parent, you know, say, oh, well, you're, you're always going to be my little boy. And they're saying that to a 37 year old man, like, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's that, that conflict of, um, of course, nostalgia, um, and but also tradition. And then, new identities coming into that. Um, sometimes uh, that can go very badly <laughs> between uh, parents and their children, um, you know, and, and it can cause rifts that, that uh, can divide them up for, for many years or create an uneasy tension between them. Um, or, you know, sometimes the, the parents are very good at incorporating who the, the, their child says that they have become and, uh, and are, are able to adjust their, their stance, their positioning toward this person and say, yes, I do recognize you as an adult, despite all the memories I have of you, not as an adult. I think you've always had a fierce sense of independence, even as a, uh, as a young child. And no, I don't, you uh, can't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I can see very clearly your depiction as, um, you as the child being an, becoming an adult and relating to the parents, but you're also a parent uh, and mm -hmm. had a little bit um, different strategy, maybe of fostering some independence and, and space, but, but still the authority, the, the parent parental role. So um, maybe you can speak a little bit from that side of the coin. Okay. Uh, I have always told my kids what to do and they've done exactly that. And it's always been hunky dory. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then there's also this Brooklyn bridge that I had to sell you. Um, no, it's, it has been a challenge. Um, uh, my, my own children, 
definitely have their own uh, senses of identity and, and sparks of um, uh, not rebellion. What's what, how did you say it? Independence. Very independence. Okay. <laughs> yes. So they, they certainly have their own sparks of independence. So uh, remembering how that felt for me and, and the, the lack of agency that I felt um, in my youth, which of course I did not have the term for then, but have, have learned and incorporated in the last you know, 10 or 12 years. Um, but that sense of agency in, in my own life, um, when I saw some of that, that spark of independence um, in, in both of my children, um, I tried to make sure that I, I gave it a safe space to operate in, um, and, and didn't just try to override it, um, didn't try to fight it, uh, or, or, or hold it back in any way, but, but tried to inform of, you know, when there was a conflict, when there was, um, something standing between us, you know, what, what I thought was the right way and what they wanted to do. And I tried to, I tried to inform them as much as I could of where I was coming from. Like, why am I telling you this? Um, and I think back to um, uh, my, my older daughter when she was about seven or so, um, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, tantrums and fights, um, you know, verbal fights. And, um, and one of the most common things that, that got thrown out was, it's not fair, you're not fair, you're not being fair. Um, and um, after, after butting my head against that for a while, because, you know, two, two stubborn people <laughs> trying to <laughs> work out uh, who's, who's right, um, I, I decided, okay, I, you know, I guess that's what I need to address. There, there's that feeling of it's not fair and things are being, uh, unjustly imposed on her. Um, and as I said, remembering some of that from my own youth, um, I, I recall one night in particular that there was, it was, it was over cleaning the room. Um, she had a lot of stuff on the floor and, and we were just asking her to pick it up. And she didn't want to, and it, it turned into uh, a bit of a verbal brawl. And, um, and so she, you know, stomped off into her room, slammed the door and screamed that it's not fair. They gave her a couple of minutes just to, you know, to uh, settle into her space. <laughs> and then I, I went in and, uh, um, could tell walking in you know there was going to be some combativeness um but uh but i sat down with her on the bed i said okay you know what i'm hearing you complaining you're saying it's not fair like, yeah yeah it's not fair I'm like, okay well you know here's here's where i'm at here's what i'm here's what we're asking you to do you know we don't think it's it's unfair um you know but but then you're coming back at us and, and you know, screaming and yelling at us. And do you think that's fair that you're yelling at us just because we're, we're asking you to clean your room and you don't want to. Um, and she was kind of hemming and hawing and I'm like, you know, and it's okay that you don't want to like, like I get it. 
<laughs> I don't want to clean you. It's fine. But sometimes we have to do things we don't want to. And is it fair for you to yell at us because we're asking you to do something you need to do? And finally got around to her saying that, um, that it wasn't fair for her to just, you know, not do things that we ask her to do. And, um, and so I was like, okay, well, so we're not as we're not being unfair. We're not being unreasonable asking you to do this. You don't want to I get it. That's fine. You don't have to want to, I'm not going to make you want to do this. We're just asking you to do this. Um, can you do that? And eventually, um, I mean, it was probably a good 45 minutes before we got there, but eventually, you know, she kind of came around. She's like, yeah, fine. Okay. And, um, and I stayed in there and, um, I didn't really help her clean, but I sort of directed like, Hey, why don't you go pick that up or, you know, get, get this area over here, that kind of thing. And, and, um, you know, within another 15 or 20 minutes, we had the room pretty, pretty well cleaned up enough to say, okay, that's good enough. That's all we were asking for. And, and then we let it go. We were done. Um, so that was, that was one particular incident, but you know, when that worked that well for me, that became my new strategy of, okay, if you're, if you're fighting me, I want to at least make sure you understand why I'm asking you to do it, why I think this is the right thing. You may or may not agree. Um, I'm not going to force you to agree, but there's going to come a point also, I want you to respect my authority. And as long as this isn't hurting you, then I'm going to ask you to do it. And, uh, in most cases that has, has worked well enough to, um, uh, to keep the relationship working between us where, you know, uh, both, both of my children will say that they can talk to me. They feel like they can talk to me about pretty much anything. There may be things that are uncomfortable doing it, but they feel like they can. Um, if they, if they really needed somebody to talk to, they know they, they could come talk to me. Um, they, they have said that I can be loud and scary, but, but I am not a scary person to them. Um, they, they feel safe with me. They feel very comfortable, uh, in this home environment. Um, so that I, I have counted that a, uh, a success and a win for years now. Yeah. The, uh, you started kind of getting at, um, uh, dealing with conflict in, you know, love relationships. Hmm. And, uh, so, well, we wanted to kind of dig a little deeper in that. Um, you know, sometimes conflict can be, you know, minor. I don't, I don't know how I would define that. Maybe it's more just like authoritarian, um, but it could be, you know, a minor like disagreement. It could be a really serious, like, I don't know what your, yours and Corbin's relationships was like as a kid, but my brother and I used to come to blows. <laughs> so uh, could you talk we were about fine as long as he did what I told him to do? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but was he allowed to do it his way? <laughs> no <laughs> no no i i did it corbin's way and then i did it better than him and yeah that's true that, that was how i paid him back <laughs> uh, <laughs> <I'm uppins. laughs> um okay so so conflict in a love relationship um i'm sorry i, I if there was a specific question, I, I don't know if I caught a specific question, more of a topic. 
uh, yeah, I guess talk generally, but if you can uh, talk about, you know, how conflict affects the love relationship, affects the love even. Okay. Um, in my view, um, I, I don't feel that conflict affects my uh, love for me um, because it's not based on how I feel. Um, it's, uh, I, I dislike conflict um, with a passion. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the most, the most passionate things I get about is, is how much I dislike conflict. Um, but um, I recognize that it, it's going, it, it's just a fact of life. It's going to happen. Um, and um, in uh, how about I direct it this way, if you don't mind, Kevin? Uh, okay. You mentioned earlier, like sometimes things can go really sour in a parent-child relationship, and mm. and uh, maybe they won't talk for years, right? Mm. So something in that kind of conflict actually ruptures the relationship, or at least puts it on hold for a while. Um, whereas sometimes conflict doesn't do that, doesn't affect the relationship, or it can even help the relationship go stronger. So yeah. I wonder if like kind of that with a, as a heuristic, if that can kind of focus where we, where we go. Okay. Yeah. A focus helps. <laughs> uh, I, I, I tend to get really lost when, when things are too, uh, too sure. open, too broad. Um, right. So, uh, when you're talking about you know, conflict causing a rift between people. Um, you know, I, I think that definitely can interfere with the relationship. And a lot of that in what I've seen, so, so what I believe, which I recognize may, is not universal, um, but, but what I've seen, what I've observed is that a lot of it comes back to uh, the, the feelings people have about it. And when they think about this person say a parent that they've they've had a, a rift with um that what comes back to them is you know their 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 anger their frustration or their hurt um because they don't feel like they're uh they're being respected or it's it's fair or you know whatever causes the actual conflict um they, you know, that the both sides will often just kind of hold that, you know, some sort of resentment about it, or, or there's some kind of feeling. And, you know, the, a lot of times it comes down to, well, um, you know, I'll, I'll show them, I won't talk to them until they apologize to me. And then because both sides are feeling like that, both sides are waiting for an apology for years and years. And, and sometimes it never comes and, and it never heals. Um, and I think, I think it's because people get wound up in, you know, I feel wronged and they need to do something to make me feel right again. I don't think that it actually changes the love. I, I think, I think deep down somewhere there is that love. And that's why a lot of those relationships can heal years and years later is because it has that, that foundation that it can, it can come back to. And ultimately, you know, yeah, you care about this person. You may be angry with them. You, they may have hurt you, but you do care 
about them. You, you remember that you cared before and, and that, that is probably still somewhere in there that you want what's good for them. It's just kind of blocked by you want what's good for you. And they, they have stood in the way of that. Um, and so, you know, if, if it was possible to help kind of break down those um, I've been wronged and I need, I need compensation of some kind for that. Um, if people can, can let go of that, then I think that's where, you know, relationships can heal again and they won't be the same as they were before because all relationships are constantly developed upon the, the experience shared in that relationship. Um, but it doesn't have to be over. The, the conflict doesn't have to end it, even if it has caused a disruption and a, and a pause in the time spent together. Um, you know, it, it can move beyond that and, uh, and redefine where it's going to go in the future. So we, uh, I mean, this has been a conversation very heavily focused on interpersonal relationships, which was by design, but sometimes we use the word love either in a more metaphorical sense or in a more general abstract sense. Um, so some cases like, I love ice cream, I love basketball, I love humanity, you know, or love for the stranger, the, the other that we don't really have a name or a face for, just general like kindness or something like that. Do you think that um, your expression of, or your definition of love captures what we mean or can be it stretched to those uses or is this just a different use of of a word that sounds the same but means something different um well in the examples you gave there's actually both um you know i would say most trying to narrow down to the one that, that sticks in my mind is um the the idea of love for humanity um you know love for the other love for other people um, you know, in, in the one sense, I, I kind of say, well, that's, that's not a, a real thing, but it is, um, there, there, it, it doesn't, um, every person has a, a relationship with people, um, you know, the, the populace, the <laughs> humanity on earth, um, there, there's some kind of relationship there. Now it may not be a good one. They may hate, hate people and <laughs> want to stay away from them, but that is a kind of relationship. So, um, so I think there definitely can be my definition of love in that. It is, you know, it is that idea of, I want to see humanity succeed. I want to see the world get better. I, I want life to improve for all people I mean that that is that is a um, a real thing. That is that is a real desire um, and, and a positive one. If if you feel that, <laughs> um, and uh, and that's fine. Now, when it comes to you know, I, I love ice cream or I, I love basketball or I love whatever. To me, that's I I wouldn't classify that as love. That that is a a not necessarily gonna say misuse, but it's, it's um, you like it, but like is not a strong enough word for it. So people are like, well, then I'm gonna go love because it's, yeah. it's just that step beyond, you know? It, 
Um, I wonder if we could uh, almost draw a distinction like the the same phrase I love basketball can be said in two different ways and in one way could be kind of what you're describing here I like it a lot I, I get pleasure out of it and the other one I mean maybe we can think of something like I like basketball so much that I want to see what's best for the sport I want to see it develop it into its like most perfect or or most improved state and so like maybe Ben and Jerry love ice cream in that way right they're they're crafting new levels of ice cream because of their love for for what that can mean and, and be whereas i just like ice cream a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think that's possible um i think it is very rare that you hear somebody talk about it that way um so of course my my general thought is to go to the you know gosh i really love ice cream <laughs> um and and not the you know i i have uh, a passion about it. I, you know, um, I, I want, I want ice cream to become the best thing that it could ever possibly be, you know, and I, and I want to take it a step further and enhance it. Um, sure. I, I think that's, that's certainly possible. Uh, but I, I think it's very, very rare that somebody is actually expressing that idea. Um, which to be fair, I think is actually sad. Um, uh, I, uh, this is a, a bit off topic, but kind of related. Um, I have a whole bunch of ideas and, and thoughts about, um, the, uh, the, the use of extreme language, um, you know, and, and that, uh, extreme language has become the norm now. Um, and, it's not enough to, to eat anymore. It's even not enough to even say, you know, hey, I love this thing. It's, that's not extreme enough. Now it's, you know, ice cream is everything. Ice cream is, is life. I was like, whoa, whoa, settle down. I mean, do you get what you're expressing? <laughs> and uh, I mean, my views carry on to say that, you know, the more we talk about that, the more we talk in those words, we are training our brain to think that way. And so, um, we it no longer has value or meaning to say I like ice cream like you might as well not have said anything because your brain is trained into that if you're not talking about it like it's life itself then you're just not on the level of of experiencing it that and, take is epic no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah no that's um you know that, that's one of my things and, and so I feel like you know, tying it back to what we were just talking about, when people say, you know, when they, they toss out the I love ice cream, I mean, that's sort of become such general parlance at this point that it, it doesn't, it's not quite on the level that I've been talking about, but, but it, it has a little bit less meaning. So when somebody actually does say, you know, I love ice cream, I, I love what it can be, I love what it can do, I love how it, how it changes people's lives when they take that first lick of an ice cream cone. Um, when people say that it gets lost because everybody else is like, oh man, I love ice cream, especially Rocky road. And, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well you can't distinguish that anymore just by the words. And so, um, so I, I do feel like there's a bit of a loss in that because of, of, uh, overusing the word love. Well, I like, like this conversation, but <laughs> I think <laughs> at this yeah. point we should probably, uh, Thank you for your time and, and uh, 
uh, is there anything, I guess one thing that we wanna do for each of these is, is there anything that you wanted to say on this topic that you feel we didn't ask about or you didn't get a chance to, to go into? Um, I guess mostly I just, I wanna uh, kind of come back to the point that Anthony was, was kind of making um, to say that, you know, my, my view of love is, uh, is very much not centered on the self. Um, you know, there, like there is the feedback to you. It doesn't make you feel good to see something else good happen for somebody else. Um, but, but there is that requirement of it being good for somebody else. Um, you know, and so you do things that you don't like because you know, it's for the other person. Um, you'll do things that, you know, will wear you down and, and, you know, just, just frazzle you down to a wire. Um, but you do it because you're not doing it for you. If it was for you, it wouldn't have, you wouldn't be getting the value back out of it. You'd just be, you know, burning yourself out for nothing. Um, but because you're doing it for the other person, that's why, you have that willingness, why, why you keep going on those kinds of things. Um, and it's, it's not about how you feel about the person in that moment. It is, it's that commitment to whatever is going to make their life better. If it means, if it means being apart from them, um, you know, leaving them for the, to let them move forward or, or, you know, even in a case where sometimes you have to push somebody away because you know it's better for them and you want you want what's better for them um, and not just what's what's best for you. Um, you. You may do things that are against your own interest in the name of that love because it's a commitment and not a feeling. And so that's that's kind of you know that that, that selflessness. Um, built into it that uh is is what makes love a uh a powerful force um in in my view of it well thank you very much for for joining us casey at the bat <laughs> sure thing <laughs>